0: It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash paper
1: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. When your offense scores 30 points and you make $108 million on a side of the football that's completely healthy, that side of the football should help you carry the day to victory. Did the defense do some things that helped contribute towards winning? Of course they did. They set the offense up on a tee after that Mm -hmm. T.J. Watt interception, but I don't think they did enough, and Jacob, I think the one spot that I circled the most as a frustrating, frustrating <laughs> part was the pressure on Joe Burrow or the lack the thereof. The lack thereof.
2: I agree. I mean, we had said, get to Joe as much as you can leading up to this game, and it won't necessarily cause turnovers, but it could cause three and outs or it could cause unconverted third down attempts and putting the ball back in your offense's hand. And ironically, Tom, their turnovers were there, and the Steelers walked away with just two sacks on the day.
1: The turnovers were also a little weird. I'll give Joe full blame on the first one, because even though it was full tipped blame. by, I, I think, think Watt t- and Cam. Yeah, yeah. You got to get the ball above, though. You're Joe Burrow. You're Mm. six foot four. Don't get the ball tipped. I mean, I'd I'd also
2: like to give credit to Levi for making a great read. For jumping in front of For making a great read. Yeah. Making
1: the read, recognizing the ball was tipped and readjusting his route to the ball Mm. to be a ball hawk and get it. Um, That's on Joe. I know it's a little fluky. You know, people might argue that's not an interceptable ball. It is because it got tipped. The second one is an act of he's the best defensive player in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, how in the hell, what was Joe supposed to do differently there other than, again, being tall enough to get the ball over the line? And you saw his
2: reaction. He just couldn't
1: believe it. Like, Zach Taylor in the postgame said he had no idea how TJ caught that ball. Like, that's one of the most bizarre interceptions you're ever going to see. Full credit to the defender there, and you just kind of have to tip your cap if you're the offensive player. Right. So the turnovers weren't even a product of that pressure getting to Burrow. In fact, the most that he felt pressure-wise was those tip passes at the line. Steelers were doing a good job of realizing they weren't going to get home, mm-hmm. stopping and putting their big paws up, which they're really good at when they're fully healthy up there, and snacking some balls down, leading to an interception both times, and then also just you know, knocking a play down uh, when they needed to. So if anything, that's really the most uncomfortable he felt was having balls tipped at the line of scrimmage. Two sacks. He got hit seven times but you just weren't getting home enough. And there wasn't even really a running game, especially when Joe Mixon got hurt, for them to keep you off balance. You did a great job stopping the run. They averaged 2.6 yards per carry the entire game. He just was very comfortable and had all the time he needed in the pocket to pick you apart for 355 yards, four touchdowns, and he threw 24 for 39. I mean... That's the biggest key here. That's the biggest problem. He didn't feel uncomfortable at all. He didn't pressure him into some bad some more bad plays. Mm-hmm. And when you give a guy like Joe Burrow time, he is he's so surgical back there. Yeah. He's going to throw for over 300 yards and he's going to put up a four touchdown kind of day if he can just sit back there and pat the ball a couple times until his receivers get open. And you know, the last
2: thing you the last word you just said receivers, he wasn't out there.
1: And that's the other thing. We were all wondering At the beginning of the year, let's put it this way, we said Jamar Chase goes down or if there's anybody in an NFL team that has a number two that's really a number one, it's probably T. Higgins in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase has been out for a couple of weeks now, and T. Higgins has been dealing with his own nagging injuries and really hasn't shown that T. Higgins explosion that we were used to. In this game coming off of a bye week, maybe Mm. it's the same way with Najee for him. He just needed that extra 12, 13 days to recover. But he looked like a number one wide receiver out there. Nine catches, 148 yards, a 33-yard long. He didn't get in the end zone, but, man, he did so much damage. Jamar Mm -hmm. Chase torched the Steelers in week one. Him being out this time, Steelers maybe hoping you get a little advantage there. T. Higgins just stepped into his shoes and filled in immaculately.
2: Yeah, it doesn't surprise you at all. And I think the more frustrating part was the fact that you saw this coming. You could have prevented this. You could have planned better for this. You could have said, with no Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is absolutely going to be that guy. And guess what? You did shut down Tyler Boyd. Congratulations. But you still allowed T. Higgins to be Jamar Chase, essentially. And there was really no. It just seemed that every pass he caught, Tom, I don't know what he finished with his average. It seemed like every— 16.4. I was going to say, it seemed like every pass he caught went for a first down. And that's not similar to George Pickens, who had four catches for 80 yards with a 20-yard average. This guy finished with, what, 12 catches on the day? Nine catches on the day? Nine catches, he had 13 targets. So he was catching almost every ball that came in his direction, and every time, all nine of those catches were going for first downs.
1: Yeah, I— I personally think he's healthy now, and mm. you might see this a little bit more as the season wears on. He's a dude. I mean, he's yeah, just such a good wide receiver. And you're going to have days, even with your entire healthy secondary out there, where good, great wide receivers just get you for a lot of yardage. What you shouldn't have and what you can't afford to have is a running back out of the backfield torching you for three touchdowns and over fifty right. yards through the air?
2: It's like pick your poison with the Bengals. If you shut down, if you don't have to worry about Jamar Chase and you shut down Tyler Boyd, well, T. Higgins is going to get you. If you shut down Joe Mixon entirely, well, somehow Samaji P. Ryan is going to have <laughs> three touchdowns on the day. And then we're going to find a guy named Trent Irwin and right. throw him three
1: catches for forty-two yards and he'll score a, touchdown, a touchdown too. With P. Ryan though. TJ Watts said something in the post game. He said, "You know, they had a really good game plan for us. They were really ready for us." And I think that translated in a couple of different ways. One of them was the protection around Burrow or Burrow mm-hmm. getting the ball out of his hands quickly and only getting sacked
2: twice. I mean, he got sacked <laughs> a ton in Week One. Right. Massive improvement. We there. We were saying massive improvement. What's 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 the uh, what would be the over under? Would you say they could? I said like four and a half. Yeah, I we were, we, would were get saying, one and a half. we were saying we would say it could be possible they could back up to seven.
1: It was possible. T.J. did end up getting a half a sack on the day. Cam got one, and Highsmith got a half, too. So two outside linebackers split a sack, and then Captain Cam got himself a sack as well. But that was it as far as getting after a quarterback that you sacked, what was it, seven times in week one? Highsmith mm-hmm. getting three and a half of them himself. T.J. got Cam one. Cam got one. Cam got one. It was a sack parade mm-hmm. for the first week of the season. So that was one way the game plan, I think, really was executed well and planned well It's the protection of Burrow. But the other one, and I think the one that they executed well that cost the Steelers the most was matching up their running backs on these Steelers linebackers and coverage, specifically number 41, Robert Spillane. Yeah. I bet you that we could have seen a very similar game out of Joe Man Mixon if he didn't get hurt with that concussion. Mm hmm. But I bet you it was okay, Mixon's out. Let's just plug P. Ryan in, keep the same game plan. P. Ryan attack 41. Every time that 41's on P. Ryan, Burrow's <clears throat> going that way. And it worked, man. Yeah. The and, second and- touchdown that he scored, he shoved Robert Spillane yes. off like he was a JV football player. I was going to say,
2: if there's one play that really stands out to you on defense, it might be that second touchdown by P. Ryan, where Robert Spillane had him essentially wrapped up, and then P. Ryan just ran right through him. And then had seven yards left, but all he had was that one defender that was really stopping him, but didn't have to worry because he just kind of dove for the dove for the pylon and got it.
1: Not that they needed this tape to understand that that's a good way to attack the Steelers, but you know who was going to watch this and circle that as a game plan in a couple of weeks? The Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. when they have to play the Steelers. Oh, how can we... Exploit some mismatches with them on the defense. Well, how about we just have Gus Edwards run out for a pass against whether Blaine. it's Gus Kenyan Edwards Drake.
2: or yeah or Gus Edwards Dobbins or DK healthy. Dobbins if he comes back or even yeah Kenyon Drake God, or, or God forbid
1: you see Mark Andrews in forty one oh, in a matchup like that's just going and again it's not like it was rocket science. I mean the Bengals knew to do it this week. Teams have tried mm-hmm. to do it in the past, and I think the some Saints. I think the Saints would have liked to do it. Sure. I just don't think that the. Pressure That was getting to Dalton or the Steelers defense in general was really, you know, lending them the opportunity to do so. You were able to kind of mask Spillane, although he was burned on the one touchdown that the Saints Mm -hmm. scored in that game. So it's just a matter of, can you mask this guy or is he going to be the one that kind of hurts you as that weakest link? Because good teams, good quarterbacks, good offensive minds like Zach Taylor... They're Attack. going to know what the mm-hmm. weakest link is, and they're going to scheme around attacking it throughout the game. And they did that in this game. Three, yeah. three touchdowns for P. Ryan through the air.
2: Yeah, I think, Zach Taylor, we may be a little bit harsh on him here in Pittsburgh, but clearly <clears throat> going into halftime when he was down 17-20... to 20, uh and that Samaji P. Ryan touch that we were just discussing about, Robert Spillane, had already happened. But going into halftime, you're down to what you consider is an inferior opponent. And then he puts up 17 points on his own and <clears throat> on his offense and exploits that defense even more so, right? They were – it just didn't seem like – the defense was able to keep up with the Bengals at any point in the game, even though the offense did a good job of keeping up offensively in the first half when they went stale. The Bengals just kept pounding the ball, giving Joe opportunities to throw the ball. Yeah, I know you said he finished with two interceptions, but he also finished today with four touchdowns. Samaji Pirine didn't really do a lot on the ground, but got super involved and had one more touchdown in the second half. So they were just able to dissect that Steelers' defense and really – Identify the weaknesses and attack those specifically. Is he taking the mantle of Joe Burrow okay. as the best quarterback in the AFC North? In the AFC North, for sure. Because Lamar, and we'll talk more about this. Um, but he's the king right now? In I'd eyes. say so. Lamar had another average day, barely beat a really bad team um, on Sunday. I think 100% it's Joe Burrow.
1: I guess we'll see for sure when the creep comes back in a couple of weeks how he looks after missing a, a mm-hmm. ton of game time. Uh, and
2: it may, it may be too late for the Browns, who also stand. Up well, this like, year it's too late. Yeah, but I mean, just three as far as moving forward, the future who's yeah. going to be
1: at the top of the mountain when it comes to the quarterback play. But I think the Bengals need to look at this game and realize what could be when you get this guy an offensive line in front of him and let him cook. When he has time, I, he's going to get three hundred yards almost every mm-hmm. single game. Uh, at this point, I think the only formula to beat Joe Burrow or to get him off his game is to get him on the turtle dirt a lot and force him into turnovers. But again, like we said, you don't
2: see him throw interceptions until he plays the Steelers. But like- you got those turnovers anyways, and just and this isn't the defense's fault, but the offense wasn't able to capitalize. The winning formula was there, and it just didn't lead to a win. Bro threw four interceptions, in the first time they met, he threw four touchdowns, this
1: time in the revenge game at Akershore They still turned the ball
2: over. I think a lot of this loss has to do with the lack of pressure.
1: That's what's so weird about the defense, right? Mm-hmm. They, it made it the seem splash like they do. plays. Yeah. It
2: had those moments where their
1: elite players made big plays, especially TJ on that interception. But they yield points, and they allow long drives to happen. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's where people point to it and say the difference between elite and just a playmaking good defense is right there. You're a playmaking good defense who on a day can be elite when you're sacking the quarterback and everything is going well. And maybe you're playing the Saints. (laughs) That factors into the equation too. But you're not to the point where you can go out and play defense for 60 full minutes and, limit a team like the Bengals to 10 points and frustrate them all game long and get a maybe a forced fumble out there too, a couple more sacks on Burrow, and really just make his day long and miserable. That's, I I think, the difference there Mm -hmm. between those two levels. And I'm not even sure that there is an elite defense in the NFL right now. Right now? I don't know if I point to one and say, like, the Eagles are great at taking the ball away, but— you know they they've struggled from time to time and especially in that Washington game they did not look great in the first game that they lost this year so it might just be a nature of the beast kind of thing where you're going to have teams go for 70 yard drives on you every once in a while it's just, it's the offensive age of football right. this is all geared towards offense the coaching is geared towards offense the rules that they put in place for the game is geared toward offense Maybe you're just not – gone are the days of the Ravens and the Steelers and the Bears where you give up like six points per game and you Mm -hmm. just don't let them score. But I still think when you have multiple drives that start deep in their own territory and end with touchdowns, that's That's the problem.
2: Can you think of off the top of your head the last time the Steelers allowed two 90-plus yard touchdown drives in a single game?
1: No. I'm sure it's happened more recently than we think, but right, maybe, it's fresh maybe. in our mind in this game. Considering, I mean,
2: 290-yard-plus touchdown drives, I believe one was 70 yards, and I believe the other was something like 50-plus. So every touchdown drive, or almost every touchdown drive the Bengals had started in their own territory. They didn't. They weren't gifted a turnover by their defense and only had to go 30 yards to gain. No, they were always on their own side of the football field and drove down and drove it down sometimes all the way up to 90 yards 92 yards and 93 yards
1: The Bengals had 22 first downs in the game. They got 18 of them via the pass. They got 3 of them via the rush, but and one of them came from a penalty. Mm-hmm. But third down efficiency-wise, they weren't great. They were 3 for 9. But it's alarming that the Steelers only forced the Bengals to face nine third downs mm-hmm. in the entire game. Mm-hmm. That number has to be
2: higher. They Way were getting higher. first downs I mean, and second Steelers downs, face, downs. I think
1: 18 Seventeen third 17? downs. and They were eight for seventeen, which ain't yeah. terrible, but ain't good either. Well,
2: considering also to those splits between the first half and second half. Yes. But to only have them facing nine third downs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get them in third and
1: longs and get them off the field, uh, especially if they're only going to convert at that three for nine clip. If they're only going to hit thirty three percent of them, I think you're looking pretty good as far as an offense is concerned or as far as the defense is concerned. Uh, getting that team off the field, but you never let them get to third down. They were picking up first downs with big plays on second down with big plays on first down mm-hmm. and not through the ra- ground either. They did no. it pretty much all through the air. And that's really where the Steelers just torch got torched in this game. But you know, all the normal excuses you make for the defense, well, they were tired, right? Well, the offense kept going three and out. To a degree, you're right because the offense did kept going three and out in the second quarter or in the second half. The time of possession split was 31-36 for the Bengals, 28-24 for the Steelers. 31-36 is not a long time to be out on the field for the defense. It's a tick over half the game. You're supposed to be out there for half the game anyway. Right. So it's not like some weird, like, oh, they had the ball for 40 minutes. The defense was gassed. I'm sure there was a little bit of the defense being gassed. It's a tough well, offense. Well, when you allow those big long drives, touchdown drives, bang and then all game long. And then
2: I know in the second half, uh, the Steelers went three and out right after that that 90-yard touchdown drive for the Bengals. So they had to stay on the field for 90 yards, and then the offense didn't do anything. They were right back out there. So, yeah, definitely as the game went on, for sure. It's just,
1: like we did the offensive episode. It's the same way with the defensive episode. Like, you look at the game, and then you, would like, find little positives that you can take from it where, you know, like we said, when they did face a third down, they were successful 66% of the time getting off the field. They had two turnovers. They had a turnover that should have resulted in a touchdown. It set the offense up yeah. so well. They did these weird—they they held them to 62 yards on the ground when they rushed the ball 24 times. They were great as far as stopping the run was concerned. So there's silver linings all over the place in this loss on both sides of the football. But I think why you have to look at the defense and assign the majority of the blame there is because the expectations there are higher. Sure. That's the side of the ball that's supposed to be up to speed. Yeah. That's the side of the ball that's supposed to keep things afloat while the offense tries to catch up to the defense. And in this game, offense let the defense down, but you can make the argument that the defense let the offense down just as much.
2: No, I I don't think there's a side of this football team that really is immune to fault or immune to blame here. Right? I think throughout the course of the season, people were giving the defense a pass because... T.G. Watt wasn't out there, but you even look at games like Miami, right? Miami, who has one of the best offenses in the league and had two back at the time. The defense without T.G. Watt held them to 16 points in an entire game. Uh, It was the offense's fault for only putting up 10 points in a game. So I think the overall story or narrative for the season has been more frustrating on offense, but yesterday I think just because when you match – The offense putting up 30 points for the first time all season long. And then the defense having T.J. Watt back, Mika Fitzpatrick back from his appendicitis and allowing 37 points to be scored. The lack of uh, third down plays that they had to face... The long touchdown drives. I think clearly the the defense was more frustrating to watch yesterday than the offense. Oh yeah,
1: and again the sacks. That's where I
2: come. Yeah, back to it, absolutely. You didn't get enough sacks. This you team who allows pressure. the most sacks, and you were a team that took advantage of that in week one, and you came up with only two.
1: And you have just been that flag bearer of the NFL for so long. When it comes to sacks, this yeah. year it's dropped off. You're not going to lead the league for the first time in a half a half a, a decade. You said was it half a century? I did. It feels, feels like, like that. that. But half a decade, you're not going to lead it this time. Probably going to be the Cowboys at this point. But that was your bread and butter. You can kind of assign the drop off to TJ getting hurt mm-hmm. because what was their numbers after the Saints game? Like they had like almost 12, 13 sacks in games that TJ played in, mm-hmm. and only like. Ten or something in games. Yeah, so that's probably a key contributor to the fact that there's a drop off there. But he was healthy. The entire defense was healthy. They stink at protecting the quarterback. They averaged three point six sacks per game, and you only got two. Right. Uh, it was one of their better performances as an offensive line. They're gonna look at that film and they're gonna try to build off. What of do what we do? Did. How do
2: we recreate? How that? do we do
1: this against other teams where you're gonna look at that and you're gonna scratch your head and say, How did we not get enough pressure on him? Especially with number 90 in the fold, because that's the key. That's how this defense wins getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback.
2: Absolutely. And that's why I said I think the defense was a lot more frustrating to watch yesterday than the offense because you had faith in this defense with its big players back, with its splash play ability also present. And it led to 37 points scored. Four touchdowns by Joe Burrow and only two sacks taken. It's
1: very, it's a shame. It really is a shame because I really thought the first
2: time all year long your I, offense puts up these kind of points, and your defense has one of its worst days. I don't, I wouldn't call it the worst because no. the Philly uh, game, the Philly game, and then well maybe one of the most disappointing because because I thought they could
1: win this game, and especially at halftime I thought they were going to win the game. The Steelers, Oh, I mean.
2: when you lead at halftime and you're getting the ball back after forcing a turnover and then scoring points off of that turnover, at, the momentum was entirely on your in your favor.
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's just a shame that they weren't able to finish things out because I think, you know, this whole season's about growing and learning. This would have been something you could really have learned from. A big win where and now, you, like Max was saying on the broadcast all yesterday, punch, counter punch. You hadn't been in one of those games yet. This was a young team in one of those games that, for a half, was delivering the counter punches and was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Would have been really nice to see them yeah, was stay able up to in draw, that ring
2: and speed, even if you lose in the end, but go was down able swinging to draw like Rocky. blood And then come back when the Bengals went after you. Exactly.
1: You didn't get down at any point in that game when the Bengals started to score more points and kind of push to get away from you. It just fell off. The wheels on the cart just fell off in the middle of the second half, and that's where the frustration comes in because you saw it happen. You saw it do good. You saw it work, and then it just went.
2: Yeah, I think pivotal moments of the game included going three and out on your first three drives to start the second half, and then the one time you don't go three and out, it's because it was that TGY interception, but or you did go three and out, but. You still resulted in a field goal because you had. Because you were right there. You were yeah. right there. But essentially, if I mean, if that if that happens, if the Bengals were driving, Tom, right? Think about it. If the Bengals were at midfield, and that interception happens around the thirty-yard line, the forty-yard line, Matthew Wright's not kicking that field goal. That's another punt. So you have to open up the second half. Three and out. Three and out. Three and out. Three and out. Instead of that field goal, six plays eventually punt. Uh, four plays because of a penalty. You eventually punt, and then a turnover on downs, and then the garbage sign. Najee Harris touchdown. All
1: right, let's give out our moneymakers to wrap you, uh, up the episode. Okay, what do you it. mean, do we have We got to. Yeah, I mean,
2: and, and there are people who deserve it.
1: I mean, there's one guy in particular that specifically deserves it, and I'm going to be selfish and take him first. Go for it. Teddy KGB, would you just pay TJ Watt his money already? Pay that man his money. What in the hell happened on that interception, man? How did you do that? He doesn't even know how he did it. No
2: one watching that game, whether it was Billy and Wolf, whether it was the CBS broadcasting team, us back in studio, nobody knew what had happened. Nobody knew how he was able to make that read so fast. And not only make the read to bat the ball down, but actually come down with the ball in his possession. But the crazy thing is, man, he did the same thing
1: kind of in week one against Joe. Oh,
2: absolutely. I think this one was slightly more impressive. Slightly more
1: impressive, yes. He kind of like caught it with his armpit in Mm -hmm. this game, but... He's got a knack for that. He said in the post game, you know, it starts in training camp. You know, you you work on that. And everything you see me do on the field, I've probably practiced it a, a billion times. And he's right, but you can't practice that. You can't no. practice that kind of game scenario. You can't
2: practice it. You can't teach it. You can just practice
1: having good hands uh-huh. and hope that in the moment you make an amazing play. And it's one of the plays of the year. I mean, everybody was shocked. When they watch the broadcast, the the announcers calling the game, the people in our broadcast booth, it couldn't be possible that he picked that off, right? Right? Oh, my God, he did. He did pick that off. What did he, that replay look like? He did that? What? Like, almost as—you won't hear people say this, but almost as impressive as the Justin Jefferson catch against the Bills.
2: Totally different, but I see totally your Totally
1: different. I see your point. Different kind of scenario but almost as impressive just because especially with how fast that ball was coming mm-hmm. it left Burrow's hand like a split second before it touched TJ's so just an incredible display of athleticism and an incredible turnover forced by TJ Watt just wish that the offense could have, been could, pivotal. have could have, have, have capital yeah and, and yeah i mean that's a game that's a win game, altering, of game kind of yeah. play
2: game altering play turnover absolutely i don't maybe f-
1: next time he just stiff arms a couple people and gets to the end zone mm-hmm. damn it tj you right, know what, what Give hell. me the money back, <laughs> Uh
2: I guess I'll go offense, uh, since you went defense and took the obvious choice. I, I might go, I might say that Najee Harris deserves some money after back-to-back weeks of, of pretty productive days. Ooh. Pay that man that? his That's money. So I don't know. Hmm. Did you hear something? I don't know. Uh, so, Najee Harris, again, not the splashiest day, didn't get over that century mark, but found the end zone twice, and... Yeah, we talked about the the second one coming is garbage time, but you get that onside kick and it's a totally different game because you have more than a minute to get down the field and score that touchdown. And you are within only seven points. So if you get that onside kick, maybe things end up differently. And we're talking about this game in a completely different tone of voice. But it was still even though we're kind of not faulting him for that garbage time touchdown we're kind of taking it away taking it out of the equation he still had a real a really good day like we talked about his first touchdown of the day being his best athletic performance or singular play of the season and that comes a week after we thought we had seen his best athletic performance in a single play when he made that play uh he made that stiff arm running down the running down the middle of the field so back to back weeks with great plays individually great scoring opportunities, and overall a great game. So I'm happy to give Najee some money after that. Subscribe
1: to SNR's newest podcast, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, is talking nothing but Steelers. It's Saverin on Steelers, and new episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe today. It's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll take a look around the NFL. It was a pretty wild Sunday in the league. We'll talk about some near upsets, some upsets and. In- Status quo remaining. I'm looking at you, New England and New York. That's all on the way on the third episode of the Steelers Standard. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman. Keep it right here. We'll talk to you soon.